0: Welcome to Dungeons and Dax and Bennett Chu. This is my friend Bennett here. He is an actor, (laughs) performer, and opera singer. So excited to talk to him today. And my name's Dax Levine, your host. I'm a professional dungeon master and, I guess, part-time podcaster as of last week. So here we are. Bennett, how
1: are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. Bennett and I have actually been hanging out for the last 15 minutes doing... vocal warm ups. He's he's an opera singer. So he knows his. um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're having this. We're gonna take it real slow for this episode. Just nice, smooth talking. (laughs) Baritone Um, and baritone world, baby.
1: (laughs) So tell us about yourself, Bennett. Who are you? Why? Yes. Well, you did such a, a splendid job doing it for me at the beginning there. But yes, my name is Bennett Chu. I am an actor, performer, and opera singer, got my bachelor's in music from the university of Utah with emphasis in vocal performance just last year. But as you can tell, I am also a big nerd and I love Dungeons and Dragons, tabletop RPGs alike, video games, movies, books, all of the above besides my emphatic love for opera.
0: (laughs) So that was a big list of nerd credentials you just listed what was the first thing <laughs> that brought you into the nerd world what was the first love
1: oh man let's see i had to i had to look it up oh my gosh there was this oh uh, well there was these books if you remember that like dragonology oh, or like okay. wizardology it's, 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 and all yeah. that stuff like barnes and noble exclusives but mm-hmm. like they were like these books that had like different little hidden secrets that you could find in the book of like dragon yeah. scales and like different types of dragons and that was when i was like four <laughs> so i fell Such in love young. ever since yeah <laughs> i have a three-year-old and we are already getting him hooked
0: on nerdy things yeah. oh yes he knows all the types of dragons and the type of breath weapons they have he knows all his dinosaurs <laughs> It's perfect. I was a dinosaur kid too, yeah, so that, that
1: yeah, great. that hits close to home.
0: <laughs> yeah, so you started as a nerdy kid, but now you've grown into this manly man. Yes, um, a manly nerdy man. <laughs> so where did you? You said in your bio that you sent me that D and D started for you during lunch at middle school, mm-hmm. and you forgot about it until your senior year. So that means you wanted to be cool in high school. So like, <laughs> eating, eating, eating. at least not, uh-huh. only, especially not at the lunch table but then senior year you stopped caring and you're like you know what this is who i
1: am i am exactly a nerd. I would
0: you say that's accurate
1: oh yeah i mean i has actually it's kind of funny that you pulled that because you know i kind of didn't really think about it until then but yeah i know like freshman year in high school i didn't even want to do music i was like i'm not a choral kid i'm just a run-of-the-mill teenager, just doing cool stuff that cool teenagers do. (laughs) But yeah, no, exactly. I just, um, it started at the very beginning of senior year, actually, when my brother reached out to me and was like, Hey, I found like these really cool miniatures. Do you want to paint them? And I was like, yeah, cuz even though I kind of like gave up playing the game, I still am a super crafty person. I love Mm -hmm. to paint. I love to sculpt. I love to carve. And so having a very cool on the
0: wall behind you, like, why thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I just designed this, um, with the, also the assistance of my wonderful girlfriend, Emily. And So yeah, (laughs) shout out to Emily. She has her own corner right there. That's all of her kind of little bits and trinkets that she's like given me over the years. (laughs) So, yeah but besides that it's like you know thember Shad from the D movie or like oh, the little rock yeah. facts rock from over the garden wall i actually went to the artisan market at nerdy at the nerdy wolf pools at the Provo center mall like every other weekend mm-hmm. and it's like i can't i didn't catch their name i feel awful but they do medieval inspired paintings made from gouaches which is like the most closest like the, the closest thing that you could get to um like what the medieval paints were Okay. and it's a like embroidered script of the word seriously like S R M S L. yeah firstly. <laughs> but yeah it's, you know it's a very archaic very ancient and powerful word of course yeah it has <laughs> a lot of strength behind it truly really the first vicious mockery you know <laughs> seriously they <Ooh, laughs> were <it's like>
0: <laughs> saying that you were really crafty got into painting miniatures and that kind of
1: reignited this interest Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of which, actually I have the little bits and pieces on my board. Actually, I just totally was spacing it for a future campaign, but basically I bought two minis that looked exactly like this, you know, just like little archer guys and cutting them up into little segments to eventually pose it correctly, to look like it's riding this Kirin. So, up, the oh yeah, absolutely. Let's see uh, here. Sorry. People I'm on, flumb on, on, on my, on hands. My, uh... all good. Basically, what is standing in front of you is a miniature of a Kirin with chopped up pieces of a little miniature that looks kind of sad right now, but it'll look super cool and happy later. But yeah, so I I still love to do it. And now he's got me in Warhammer, you know, my brother. Once you go to Warhammer, then you're in deep. Yeah, I'm in deep. I got my Grey Knight army. We're going to do kill teams first and then work our way up to doing like full-fledged battles and wars, you know, so. 'Cause he already has Death Guard set up, which look fantastic. He's definitely the better artist out of the two brothers in the in the Chew family, you know. So yeah, he he's got me beat there, but I'm catching up. I'm catching learning up. <laughs> well, let's talk about your experience with opera.
0: I asked you a question before the stream, like what sort of skills have you developed as an opera singer? that carry over into your d and games other than,
1: you know, having a good singing voice, I'm sure there's a lot more to it. Yeah, no, I think with opera, it's kind of got this interesting Shakespearean quality to it because it's a lot about it is projection, right? And so you learn how to healthy sustain projecting for hours on end, being on stage, and so then when you're at the table and you are the dungeon master narrating the entire story i'm able to pace myself and have the proper like preparation in my body to be able to continue to narrate with hopefully not having a hoarse voice by the end of the night <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really a full body experience a lot of
0: people who don't aren't singers when they they strain their throat right right their throat. and i hear a lot of like new DMs also try to make crackly voices and it, it's damaging and you can't keep it going. It's all about having a full body experience. What are, some, what are some quick tips for anybody who doesn't sing, who isn't an opera singer, who wants to have a more powerful and healthy voice?
1: Okay, let's see. First things first is breath. Breath is every, where everything begins. It's our focus. It's our bodies. It's how we function. And it's how we vocalize, whether we're singing or talking. And so just making sure that you are breathing a little bit lower than you originally are inclined to do. Cause a lot of people breathe from their shoulders or for like from their chest, but it really is breathing while focusing on expanding your diaphragm, which is a giant muscle, you know, that really wraps around the bottom of your rib cage. And so with a healthy inhalation such as that, it's a great way to start.
0: I'm all self-conscious about the way I'm slouching in my chair. (laughs) I show you that I'm a good student.
1: (laughs) Right? This is suddenly all of y'all. There's going to be a test at the end of this, by the way.
0: (laughs) Hey, I'm taking that. I I am not a perfect dungeon master. I I need to learn more. All right, right. So what's another thing that we can do to bring
1: our characters to life,
0: bring our stories to life, our voice?
1: Absolutely. Well, of course, there's a little bit of voice acting, right? And I think what... Like you are saying before, everyone has the misconception that everything happens right here in the throat, right? But to, it's all about resonance, really. Mm -hmm. So to be able to have your,
0: I agree with you.
1: "Mm, Yes, yes, (laughs) 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 Mm. quite. (laughs) And so it's, it's about knowing where in your body that sound resonates. So, like, there's different scales, such as, like, bright and dark. And so bright sound would be a little bit more nasally and brighter. And so yeah. going out there, yeah. you know, you can have, like, a, a weaker character, a feeblish character. Or you can bring it down to be darker and warmer, something more noble, something more sh- big, stronger, right? Yeah, our and normal so, voices. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I talk like this 24-7. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: <laughs> I only um, bring out this voice when for a very special occasion.
1: Exactly. <laughs> this is the voice that comes out when I take off the mask. You know, <laughs> this is who I really, really <laughs> am. <laughs> this is my truth. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I th- I think the best qualities though to be able to understand where your body resonates. At least in singing, there is. Different like modes so there's like head voice versus chest voice, and that's because you will feel your body literally vibrating in those areas so as we're talking, chest voice, but then as we get higher and higher we'll start feeling it like either here or in your temples or in your in your nose and so having a better understanding of where your body resonates, what's healthy for your voice, not trying to do crazy leaps, lunges, and bounds is, are great ways to be able to turn your voice into yet another instrument, another tool to be a great player or a great dungeon master. I love
0: that. I love that.
1: What other skills do you learn from opera that aren't about the voice itself? But I think it's just overall an appreciation for music because honestly, I'm, I'm very new to the opera scene. <laughs> I mostly got your degree last year, right? I did. Yes. So, and even before then, before I even started college, I've only been studying voice for like two years by that point. And I was just doing a little bit of art song. I never really focused on opera at all, but over the years and through academia, I've learned to appreciate and love this art form because there's so much like Oh, what's the right word that I'm looking for? There, there's so much intention behind every note and every melody, every voice, every instrument that someone writes in their music that is in opera. And so that level of detail and orchestration quite literally, I guess, you know, is so moving, you know, it's beautiful. And for it all to be played live you know with every single part being a human being i feel like is even more special so yeah i think just learning to appreciate music even more than i already have translated into like how i can make dungeons and dragons into a more cinematic experience mm-hmm. so i'll try and have my npcs have like their own motifs their own songs that play so my oh. characters have that sense of familiarity whenever they like enter the scene i'm actually i might regret saying this (laughs) but i'm gonna hold myself accountable (laughs) the plan is for this summer that i will be composing my own music my own soundtrack for a future dragon lance campaign with my group because it's something that i've always wanted to do i've always wanted to have the perfect soundtrack but you know i've always just Randomly pulled things from SoundCloud or randomly pulled things yeah. from Spotify. That's like, yeah, what this is close enough. Exactly. But my brain, it's I'm not like, not so
0: random anymore. I've got dozens of folders and subvolt folders
1: <laughs> organized right?
0: by setting and by
1: mood
0: and by, you know, it's horror if it's combat. um So I do like the baby version of what you do, which is right? create something fully original. That's absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah. So we'll see what happens. <laughs>
0: you have. Eated it out loud on the internet, which means you are now accountable for it. Six months mm-hmm. from now, people will look at this episode and be like, "Whatever happened to that Bennett guy?
1: Yeah, the Dragonlance guy. He was supposed to make a whole soundtrack for my campaign. We need music. We need Come on now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So that's, that's the plan. Everybody. Comment <laughs> exactly. below
0: if you want to, you know, hold Bennett accountable. Oh mm-hmm. um, cool i love that you you have music in your games i do that as well as an amateur as someone who is a theater kid who sang in show choir and sang in college choir but did not make it my career did not even make it my major i it's great from learning from somebody who is going the distance who is really going all the way and Ah, we need to talk more. We can't fit everything into thirty minutes, but right, I nuts. Love to swap playlists <laughs> it's already so quick. Treats. Holy moly! I love to swap playlists sometime. Yeah, let's, let's talk about it. the collaboration that we have done together. Yes, well, should I start? Should you start? By all means, you're the DM. Please. <laughs> right. Oh, so, this all began a few months ago. We were hanging out. Well, our friend. Mutual friend Rachel Ann wanted to do a live stream D and D one shot.
1: Yeah, I love you, Rachel.
0: Yeah, Rachel, who has already commented. Rachel Ann knew we were going to be talking about her today. That's why she's here. <laughs> she wanted not to just dress up and be in costume as we did. As we did. Sorry, I'm looking at Rachel's comments and it's just She did, I, I, indeed. I have the
1: stream. I have the stream yeah, mug. Evermore parts. To, the so yeah. yeah. Long story <laughs> graciously short, graciously gave st- it to us.
0: We live streamed this one shot game from Evermore Park, which is this immersive fantasy park in Pleasant Grove, Utah. And everyone was in costume. We had beautiful props. And I ran an adventure from the, the newest d and source book. So it was a heist themed game, but we made it a little spooky and fun and awesome. And that's how I met Bennett. He was because we had this mutual friend he came in as one of our cast members and we we talked beforehand a lot about your character's motivation and focusing not just on how much damage they could do what their armor class was <laughs> but you know what drives them what is their intention what are they feeling in this moment a lot of you know, a lot of the phrases that you've done so far so t- tell me about your experience preparing for this awesome live stream
1: oh yeah well i mean for me the acting and like the role play bit is like the cherry on top for this right it's what i love to do it's why i'm there at the table but the most amount of preparation that i had for this was actually the costume <laughs> of course <laughs> because of course. <laughs> i am not really a professional cosplayer by any means you know i You're just I spend a good looking guy, guy with a suit of armor like exactly yeah i i just randomly spent the money you know it was quarantine we all had our our weird moments there <laughs> some people had a divorce and i got my plate armor okay so yeah just... <laughs> but yeah no it was just uh, i wanted to make something that was comfortable right for the stream and i was like okay well then probably have to do something out of a foam and then I was so thankful that we had like a session zero where we could talk about the character and the campaign setting, because then I had the idea in my brain, like, okay, we're in like, kind of like this medieval meets Victorian kind of like fluid time. Um, Bloodborne but, like, was
0: one of those images that we both like, yes, that resonated with both
1: of us. Yeah, love the imagery of Bloodborne. And so I was like, okay, so then how do I take a Dark Souls Knight and put him into the world of Bloodborne? And so then I had to like design, actually, well, hold on. I have Ooh, the sketch no right way. here. This was, this was not the first time that I Here's like it. put it into pen. Cause I'm such a doodler. <laughs> I love to do a little crafty, so crafty, a little crafty guy, but this was the original design for Leander, my yeah, character,
0: that's Pretty close to how it ended
1: up. Right. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, my. My girlfriend Emily and I, we spent, I think, around like 24 to 36 hours in total, just painting and priming, sanding, doing all that great stuff. And it reignited my love for cosplay. And now I'm like, okay, cool. Well, what's the next thing that I can make out of Warbler, right? Were there any
0: decisions you made when designing that costume that weren't based on, oh, what looks good or what materials do I have? But what does. What
1: story does this tell about the character? Absolutely. So unfortunately, and like something that didn't make it into the final design was this kind of like insignia of an eye and wings, because we were kind of talking about making Leander's like patron, this kind of corrupt angel, right? It looks very deceptively like a celestial being of goodness and light. But in reality, it's an eldritch beast. Yeah. And so Which ended um, up being like the big bad of our one-shot that you um
0: played.
1: And, and to kill, Which yeah. And <laughs> of what we were fighting at the end. Right? Exactly. So in its design, I wanted to actually add like eyeballs over the armor to kind of look like the armor not only was like old because Leander kind of like stole the, each piece individually from different people he killed or slayed in his journey as a knight but also like that there's something that was kind of twisting the armor as well that was otherworldly so yeah and obviously the giant sword on the back is very dark souls (laughs) oh of course it was massive
0: it was comically huge
1: Um, and it was also
0: wrapped in cloth what was the reasoning for that
1: i think it was well from an honest perspective time (laughs) (laughs) it takes a lot to know that (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. So that's the first thing. <laughs> but it's also, it was just, I think it was just a cooler aspect to make it look more ancient because it's not necessarily the first weapon that Lander was going to be going for. He was going to be going for like the inner chamber blade that was like his little light rapier that he could like go in and stab people with. And then for the smites, you know, pull out and like lock the blade into the hilt or into... Is that right? The hill? Yeah. Into, I'm losing my mind. The, you're holding the sheath. And then you the sheath. To the she- <laughs> sheath
0: came this larger blade,
1: which exactly is straight out of
0: Bloodborne, which I love. That was my weapon of choice. Yeah, Ludwig's holy blade.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's a, one of the games. Like, I mean, it's one of the swords that appear throughout all the games, right? Mm-hmm. They have a recurring theme of at least one giant sword that they can have in each Dark Souls game. <laughs> of course. And
0: when I saw it, because it looked almost as if it were, was in a funeral shroud, not quite mummified, but had this funeral shroud oh, quality yeah. to it as if laid blade itself was dirty and corroded and you needed to prevent that corruption from seeping onto other things. And so you kept it wrapped and a sword that is never drawn to me is a lot scarier especially when right. it's a big sword. It's like, I can I can kill you without even drawing my sword, without even using the full thing. What happens when it does come out of the sheath? That created this very ominous feel that I love. So. Hey, yeah, I thought well it was done, super
1: okay. dark. thank you. Yeah, I mean, um, we really created it together. <laughs> yeah, so, we did. Thank we you did. for
0: helping me out. <laughs> That's the whole point of this podcast, is collaborative storytelling, working together with our friends so that stories we tell together are better than the ones that we would tell separately so let's talk about some other experiences we had on that live stream other
1: other fun moments playing with our friends oh man i mean like i think it was just great because the last time i actually went to high school with a Halcy bella right okay and Yeah. So that was like our senior year when we were playing Dungeons and Dragons together. And that was also the last time that we played Dungeons and Dragons together, like was that summer after we graduated. And so it's been years since we've ever touched the books, ever played the games. And so it was such a great moment to be able to play with her one more time and in front of such a huge audience as well, which is crazy. And she was fantastic. Uh, she yeah, like, she crushed sick. it, and quite <laughs> literally, because she was a barbarian. She was the barbarian. She told <laughs> yeah. me,
0: she's like, I, I haven't played too much. You know, is, how, how can we make this fun? And so I'm like, well, barbarians don't always feel anger. What other emotions can barbarians go through? And I love her catchphrase. We're like, I got to speak my truth. And then she was see. <laughs> <a sad laughs> yeah. <queen>. And it <laughs> was, it was fun. It was a fun, like, look at how barbarians are played inverting right. the usual tropes also she was playing an elf and elves are not typically uh, barbarous hulking monsters meat and muscle and it was really fun seeing that sort of inner conflict but yeah everyone at the yeah. table we could we could spend 10 minutes or an hour on every first <laughs> was there all oh, their great costumes the voices they used the mm-hmm. decisions they made What was, what was one of your favorite moments from that?
1: Ooh, let's see. Well, personally for like Leander, it was his moment where it was right before he was going to behead what was left of Elra that was possessed by the celestial monster.
0: Yeah. And I guess
1: we should give some
0: more context to that. Like how the story began. Oh man! yeah well, well, how well, which we were, how far back do we
1: want to start? <laughs> yeah, so
0: the adventure begins with the heroes being recruited to do this heist that another adventuring party had failed. They had failed to retrieve this book, and their quest was given to them by this disembodied head, a disembodied mm-hmm. head that your character, Leander, knew very well, and we had that head played by our friend Hyacinth, yeah, so yeah, she acted out the head and wonderfully so by the way (laughs) uh, crushed it great and so i'm glad that we were able to work that
1: quest giver into your backstory yeah do you Uh, guys want to know a secret about the campaign by the way i just realized something so we thought it would be interesting because the way that i set up leander was that he was an orphan that was on the streets right he was rugged he was a thief he was kind of whipped into shape by Elra to join the knighthood. Not um, your typical paladin. Exactly. Uh, He's very fine. scruffy, which I love. You know, it's all about, I mean, like with bell's character as well, right? So they try and make unconventional characters work. And so to make him like a dex based, kind of thievish paladin was really cool. But also, Leander didn't have a last name when he met Elra. So, Elra gave him the last name Wolfsbane because somewhere in their, in their past, he saved her from a wolf. And so that's why during her kind of monologue that as a beheaded, like as like a decapitated head as she was telling to our party members, she addressed it. She addressed me as Wolfsbane instead of so Leander, because it was kind of like a, a sense of endearment from their childhood.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: Fun little thing every was out of it. Yeah.
0: Wolfsbane <laughs> sounds so much cooler than Puppy Thumper. A very cool name.
1: Any day, yeah. I, I would take Wolfsbane over that any day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> cool. So we were able to
0: take this, this quest, this heist. and We yes. were able to put emotional stakes in it. Because Leander didn't care about the money. He didn't even care about getting the book. He wanted justice for what happened to Elra, because she was, I mean, in pieces, what happened to the rest of her? What did this? And so we put that emotional layer into the game. Yes, you did such a good job picking up on those cues and letting it drive your decisions and your motivations as we snuck into the house and fought a bunch of creatures and eventually made it made it downstairs and found the rest of Elra, Elra's body being possessed by this eldritch, angelic abomination deity growing out of her, out of her neck. Hmm. You had to fight her, fight her, her leftover body. And so it was a great climax, that final confrontation with you confronting someone who you cared about. And Hyacinth was great because I had her come back on stage and start whispering in your ear as if it was Elra, even though, you know, she was possessed. And I would mm-hmm. say something in my spooky voice and then she would say it in her Elra voice and we would mimic everything each other was saying. And so it was almost as if you were hearing the the entity speaking through her and her as well. What, mm-hmm. what was going through your mind when we started doing that to you?
1: Oh, dude, it was so wild. I mean... It was really, I mean, as Leander, it was really difficult to be able to focus on the situation, but it also worked so well because my roles weren't that great until the very end. And so, you know, there was this struggle as Elra being possessed was overpowering Leander, literally killing him at some point, you know, where he had to like try and survive through death saves. Yeah. So, like, I think it was just, it worked out so well, storytelling-wise. And is okay if I talk about the final blow? Should we get into it in a little should, bit? I don't know. Uh, you know, just tell
0: to watch the stream. It's there, you should the watch comments. the stream. <laughs> yeah. They're it's on, on the comments. <laughs> we'll make sure we add it to, you know, our other places we're streaming as well.
1: This is true. Um, so if you want to see how it ends up, I um, have to watch the stream. Because it is actually a very, very cool, emotional climactic moment for leander that ended up happening which was so yeah. wild it was something i i couldn't have done that myself
0: you yeah. know so That's grateful what we were two. able to yeah it takes two it takes the whole party and we were able to read each other's cues and tell tell an awesome story there's another thing i want to talk to you about you mentioned that you had a friend who was very close to you and do your best to keep their memory alive, and I and, and I put in the in the description of this that we're talking about collaboration beyond the grave. But I, I don't right. want to make a joke about this. Like this is a this is a serious, somber, sacred thing. So I'm gonna right. turn it over to you and tell us the story.
1: Yeah, well, I think just to start, I think something that is wonderful about tabletop RPGs and Dungeons and Dragons, all the games that are alike, is that. Not only is it collaborative storytelling, but it is. it can also be incredibly personal for the group of people that you're playing with. And so I've been playing with the same group of friends for about seven years, I want to say. It's you know, board. Let's see, I'm trying to think, you know, exactly. Well, at least since senior year, it's been 2018, so, oh my gosh five years now five years i've been playing with the same group for five years shut up you're not old (laughs) (laughs) i just am really slow with math which is very surprising (laughs) because i have to add so many modifiers (laughs) anyways so i've been playing with this group for a long time we're all best friends from high school and one of them was my best friend that i met my freshman year named gavin and We did not run in the same circles whatsoever. He was a very shy, quiet, awkward computer guy. And so he he liked you. Uh, Yeah, exactly. He wasn't as cool as me. I was incredibly awkward, but I just kind of threw myself into the fray. (laughs) I was more of the music nerd, and he was the computer Mm. nerd. Yeah. Music nerds
0: are slightly cooler than computer nerds.
1: I don't make the rules, but. Yeah, it's in the compendium of nerdology, you know, (laughs) the the rule of nerd. Yeah, (laughs) they made dragonology,
0: wizardology, and then it came exactly,
1: and and nerdology. Yeah, that was the final form. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that was the last one they put out in Barnes and (laughs) Noble. Your friend (laughs) (laughs) Gavin. Yes, sorry. Yes, my friend Gavin. He just would kind of keep to himself throughout our friendship, but we stayed close because we. We'd always do stuff together. We'd play video games, watch anime, and then it turned into playing tabletop RPGs. It started with one called Shadows of the Demon Lord, which is very, like, Dark Souls, Dungeons and Dragons, which we loved because it was so dangerous and every move, like, really mattered. And so having that instant, like, tension on the board was so fun to play with. And then we kind of gradually made our way to like Dungeons and Dragons. And now we're playing d d all the time. But in 2020, it was actually when our group was supposed to meet up for a session of D&D. When we all got a group chat message that he wasn't feeling well. Only for me later to later on to find out that he, he passed away. And I, unfortunately, was there at the scene, after police arrived at his home. And so it was very, very traumatic for me, and for all of my friends that were in our group together. And for a second there, I thought that we weren't gonna play anymore, you know, they would just hurt too much to see an empty chair sitting at our game table but we kept going we kept playing and it was not until like two years ago where my brother uh, who was also really close to gavin because he was kind of like both of our older brothers you know he just kind of inherited gavin as well in our family he and our other great friend named matt they both Collaborated and created this game of Dungeons and Dragons that was kind of like a one-shot, kind of just a short campaign, but it was exploring Lucian's mind. And Lucian was the character that Gavin has been playing for years, who was like this young girl who was like a feisty knight, and so she would always like be like mean and backtalk, but also deal like insane damage. Was her whole shtick, right? And so we explore, though, Lucien's mind in this campaign, and we experience not only her backstory, but we also reopen Gavin's, like, all of our memory, all of her memories with Gavin as we go through, like, the different tiers of this maze. And when we make it to the, like, where presumably the BBEG, the final boss of this dungeon is instead we are presented with Lucian lying down on a cobblestone slate with a giant world tree looming in the background with sunbeams coming through and a magical sphere that kind of encompassed the whole area. And so as each of us walk through this sphere of like, this magic dome, we split into all of our different characters that we have played through the years, and ourselves standing in the back. And one by one, we were all able to in our kind of groups of characters and ourselves walk up to Lucien and say one final thing. And as soon as we all said our last things and our wishes to have her wake up again, we saw this bubble collapse and then get sucked into Lucian as her soul became a giant crystal that shattered and scattered across the stars. And so no matter what campaign we're playing, we can find fragments of Lucian's soul throughout our games as we play.
0: Ah, that was, ah, <laughs> ah, you're making me feel feelings. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, um, it was, I was crying like a baby, right, the entire time. But it's a way that not only were we t- in an enthralling game narrative, but something that was incredibly personal and also a sense of closure to such an abrupt and upsetting passing. And so to commemorate it, there was a stained glass mural actually before we walked into the dungeon of that exact scene. And I got a tattoo of that actually. Let's um to just cool screen yeah and so yes yeah, so we have the sun to kind of like represent the sunbeams it just so lucy and the cobblestone paths and the roots of the world tree as well lying on the bottom if you're um, listening to yeah. this
0: on a podcast highly recommend checking out the youtube
1: this screen. is true yeah <laughs> if you want to catch my sweet tat let's
0: <laughs> do the tat no thank you thank you so much for sharing that story I, i'm it's not easy to relive that, but also
1: peaceful at the same time. Yeah, I think that's the point of the tattoo, though, you know, is to tell the story because the story, I think, is the most beautiful part you know, that we were able to come together as friends to heal by playing Dungeons and Dragons, you know, of all things. That was the most healing thing for our group of friends to try and combat such an insurmountable amount of grief surroundings, like losing one of our friends. So yeah, I think that's why above all now, because my love for d d is always changing, right? But now it's just knowing how impactful these stories and the relationships that we have around the table can be that's that's incredible.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us. I have yeah so many questions about opera and pool <laughs> and other things for you, but I think like that is just a beautiful note to leave this broadcast on. I'll just have to bring back another time. I'd be happy to be back. <laughs> this was so much fun. Thank you, all five of our fr- fans who tuned into this. I think we're at seven. At someday we'll have dozens and dozens. At hundreds and thousands, <laughs> dozen. There'll be, there'll be Dax's dozen, <laughs> Dax's dozens. Yeah, and then you know, where can people find you?
1: Man, uh, yes, absolutely. Well, I am on Instagram and TikTok. Honestly, it should be any social platform. Underneath the Ben Chewy, I the lucked ben out. Chewy. There <laughs> yeah, boom! I lucked out and was able to grab the one handle to rule them all. So. You can find me, I mostly use Instagram and TikTok though. Instagram mostly is like opera and photos and TikTok. I post more like cosplay stuff, more like LARP things. So yeah, whatever suits your fancy, you can follow either or both.
0: (laughs) Follow, follow Bennett Chu and all the cool things that he does. You for our next interview. Thanks everyone.
1: Yeah. Thanks guys. (音楽) We'll be right back. back.